Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. I have a very unusual uh, title for the message. Uh, before I give you the title, I want you to quote a scripture with me. It's a Christmas story in one verse. And of course, it's John 3.16. Most quoted verse in all the world, John 3, 16. Would you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now look at it. God loved and gave his son. God loved us and he gave to us his son, his son. God is a lover and God is a giver. I'm titling the message, God's children so love that they give. I want you to just change places a little bit in that, in that little verse. God so loved the world that love gives. It doesn't take, it gives. And God gave us the best he had, his only begotten son, when the word became flesh and came to dwell among us. Now, when a person invites God into their life through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Now, the way we can know that he lives in us is that we begin to possess the characteristics of Jesus, the son of God. God is love. The word became flesh. The flesh dwelt among men. But when the flesh left and went back to heaven, he sent to us the Holy Spirit to live in us. So that God that created the heavens and the earth and lives in us is a God of love. And so when we think about God's children and the world, and I don't mean worldliness, I mean the world, the globe, humanity, all over the globe. God's children, if God lives in them, loves the world enough that they want to show that love to the world in every way possible. They're not takers, they are givers. For God so loved the world, he gave. We so love the world that we will give of ourselves to the Lord. When we hear those stories, not stories that are made up, but when we hear those facts of how many people in the world have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because no one ever brought it to them or gave it to them. It disturbs us. It disturbs us because we are given the responsibility to take the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. We are the feet, the hands, the mouth, and should have the heart of God to go. Let me read to you from the 10th chapter of Luke, verse 27. Jesus is speaking. A lawyer had stood up and questioned him about his teaching. And here's what he says in the 27th verse of Luke chapter 10. And Jesus answering said, 
Now, this is instructions to them then and to us now. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The world today is a neighborhood. But the world today, much of it, have never heard about Jesus. Well, where do you fit into this? Where do you fit into this? I've got some questions for you this morning. We try to keep them simple so that I can understand them. And uh, I hope that you understand as well. Question number one. Is it possible for a person to live today, not know who they are, why they're here, or where they're going? Is it possible today with all the technology, all the communication, all the knowledge that we have, all the ways to find uh, possibilities in life, is it possible today that a person can live today and not know who they are, why they're here, or where they are going? I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 2. When Paul is writing another church, a church over in Ephesus, and he says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we are saved. And has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Now listen to this eighth verse. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Now this is the key verse. For we are his workmanship. We, the children of God. We, the believers. We, those that have been born again. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, I want you to hold on to that real Let's put this all together. God loves us. God sent his son. God made a way for his son to live in us. We are created by God and for God with a purpose. I ask you, is it possible that there's somebody I'm talking to right now I have no idea why you were created, why you're here, what you should be doing, and where you're going? I can assure you there are many. So I want to ask you some questions. I want to ask you how blessed you are. You say, I'm blessed, preacher. That's one of our common greetings, you know. How are you doing? I'm blessed. How are you? Well, how blessed are you? Would you take a little test with me? Have you had a, have you had a drink of clean water today? You know where you go right now. Because if you don't know and you're thirsty, I know somebody real quickly can tell you where you could go and get that blessing. Have you had that? Let me ask you another question. Do you have enough food to eat this morning or today? Am I talking to anybody and say, you know, I haven't eaten in a month? How about uh, the clothes you're wearing? 
You look pretty good to me. I mean, you know, all kinds of clothes. Uh, I can already tell that you have them on. Did you have a roof over your head last night? Sleep good? I can see some of you didn't, but you're doing well now. <laughs> How about this one? Do you have access to medicine? If you need an aspirin, if you need some for acid indigestion, <clears throat> you had an upset stomach, you have access to medicine today, penicillin, maybe. Do you have any kind of form of transportation? In other words, you could walk, ride a bicycle, come on a motorcycle, drive a car, come on a bus, fly in here in your Learjet, whatever. Do you have a form of transportation? I see most hands going like this. Can you read a simple book? You may say, I can't understand about it. Can you read a simple book? Like seven-year-old level? Can you read it? Let me tell you something. If the answer to those questions is yes, I am talking to a group of the wealthiest people on the planet right now. Did you hear what I said? Those of you that are always looking at each other and say, they got more than I do and I got more. You know, Let me tell you, if you could say yes to those questions, you are one of the wealthiest people living on planet Earth in the year 2014, the month of December. Write it down. And for you to tell anyone, anywhere, any place that you're so poor, I can't give, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have any talent, I don't have anything, is an outright untruth. We are blessed. We are a blessed people. And I think that every person here needs to stop during this Christmas season and say, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. I want the world to know about you. I can put a third question with it, and this is uh, kind of a simple one as well. How can we be so ungrateful for what we have and we're not willing to share it with others? You see, Christmas is an opportunity when we have a, it is a time when we have an opportunity to really be givers. The world is out there in that, in that quagmire of civilization and there is a, a need that is out there and we today have an opportunity during this entire month of December to focus on the needs that people have and a God that says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory Philippians 4.19, and we have that if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can take that and share it. And you may claim to be a born-again believer, but you would still say, I'm too poor to share. I cannot, I don't have anything to give. There's no place I can serve the Lord. There's no time that I, I am so busy with all of my responsibilities my paycheck is so small, there's no way that I can be a giver. Please listen to what I want to share with you today.
Because you see, our temptation today is like it's been in every generation. The temptation of every generation is to, is to follow their peers instead of following their God. We want to be like our peer group rather than our God. And because we cannot separate what everyone else is doing and how we compare ourselves to other individuals, we get so mixed up that we actually forget how blessed we are. Let me go back to Ephesians 2, 8 again. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. With the grace of God comes the love of God. With the love of God living in us, it becomes our desire to try to get out of this world that we live in and break through that and let our light so shine, which we know is the light of God, that people will see our love, tangible way, but they'll glorify the Father, which is in heaven. God created and saved us by his grace in order that he can be glorified in a watching world. I would think that would lead Brother Wade to a good slogan we ought to start around church. How about this? Let's be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. How you, you like that, folks? How many of you ever heard that before? For all of you that are visiting with us today, those are members that just raised their hand, all right? That's our mission statement. We're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. How are you living proof? You let your light shine so people can see and you love people like others did. People didn't have to wonder if God loved them. When Jesus hung on that cross, when he could have called 10,000 angels and he died alone, the whole group, including the centurion that nailed him to the cross, said, truly, this man is a son of God. Why can't the world say, truly, these people are the children of God? How do you know they're the children of God? Because they're a member of, no, because I see the love of God in them. They care about me. They don't give me what I want, but they give me what I need. And they act accordingly. God wants to show the world who he is, not who we are. And the way they see who he is, is to see him in us. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, <clears throat> says Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day he stood up to read and there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering sight to the blind and set at liberty those that are bruised as those words began to come out, the people began to listen. They began to watch and they began to wait. You see, Jesus preached to the people. He went to the people. He loved the people. He became one of them when the word became flesh. He became one of us in order that we could, in the midst of hypocrisy on the part of much flesh and blood, here was one that truly was the son of God. And we today can go back all the way to Isaiah 61 where these words, when Isaiah opened the book 2,000 years ago before Jesus came, 
prophesying he was going to come. The world was going to get a chance to see what God is like. They saw Jesus. Then Jesus goes back and says, the Holy Spirit, though, is going to live now in my children, and they're going to show you. So my question is, how good a job are we doing? How many people are being brought to Christianity because of Christians? How many people are being touched by the love of God? Because you see, when you are a child of God, you are a giver. And because you are a giver, you are telling the world, I'm a child of God. What flows out of me is the love of God. It is the provisions of God. It has been given to me in order that I can use it. And this is the way that believers are supposed to live. So as we run around and people are talking about, again, what are we going to get for Christmas? The thought right now needs to be, what are we going to give? What are we going to give? Ephesians 5, verse 1, Be you therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. Is that you? I have to ask, is that me? <clears throat> Let me tell you about helping the poor for a minute. Helping the poor is not helping them physically as much as helping them spiritually. You never do a person a favor to help them stay in poverty. Never, never, never. But we're to reach out to others even when we don't feel like it. So let me give you an example. Are you ready for this? God had a plan. Did you know that when God created the heavens and the earth, he had a plan? Now, some of you are not going to like the plan. Okay, I just tell you right now, you're fixing to not like the plan. Which God is used to it, though. He can handle it. When God created the heavens and the earth, you remember in, in Genesis chapter 2, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. First two people, perfect environment. The wife could not call anyone to take care of the yard. The husband could not get somebody to come over and help him fix his car. You either do it or it don't get done. Either you work or it isn't going to get done. Well, what happened? Adam and Eve Landscaping, Inc. was formed. First incorporated business on the planet was a landscaping business. Where they got together and said, goodness gracious, we thought we were just going to enjoy this. No, you're going to work. And you're going to have to work to take care of it. In fact, I'm giving you responsibility to take care of it. Now, watch this. This is going to really mess you up. Blank day shalt thou labor and do all of thy work. Would you fill in the blank? If you know the numbers from one to ten, pick one. Blank. Six. How many? Six. That's kind of weak, isn't it? Don't you wish it was four? <laughs> Doesn't your union hall wish it was four? Don't you wish you could close your business on four days a week and work three? Whatever. Make a living. Six days shalt thou labor. You say, well, my company's only open five days. Your church is open on the sixth day. On one of them. Why don't you go to work for God? Why don't you think about all the needs that are here in the church? 
Why don't you think about 1,200 kids that are over in a student building right now where there's a desperate need for approximately 200 workers to come and help on the Sabbath day and get in a rotating system of going and loving those children because God said those that, that minister to the kids are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and I will bless you beyond anything you can imagine. Why don't we think about working with the children? We're so caught up in this. We got a tree out there in the foyer right now. Got a bunch of red balls on it. Represents 200 places where we need people to serve children. Wednesday nights, during the week, Sunday. If we could get many people to where everybody would serve and go out and reach out to those children, we would see more of what we saw today. Let me tell you what we saw in the first service. We saw a little girl, used to be a little girl. I dedicated her as a baby about two decades ago. She was baptized today came up through the children's ministry, came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. You see, when you think about work, if you understand it, working was a blessing before sin entered the world. Think about that. Before sin came into the world, it was a blessing. Look at this beautiful place. Look at this perfect. Honey, have you ever thought anything would be so pretty? And it's ours to enjoy. But then sin came. And when sin came, Satan came. When Satan came, the things began to fall apart. But God looks in Scripture from the beginning of time as working, being something very, very divine and brings much human dignity, learning to work. Farmers do something with soil. Musicians can do something with sounds. Seamstress can do something, things with fabrics and thread. And broom makers can organize straw. And technicians can harness electricity. Teachers can help focus the mind. Counselors can help us in solving our problems. And the list goes on and on and on. Do you ever think what happened today if everybody quit work? My father said something years ago. It, it meant something to me then, not near as much as what it means to me now. What it means to me now is uh, much clearer. Here's what he said. He said, in America, we lost something when we decided that we would pay people more money not to work than we would pay them to work because we ruined the dignity of work. Chopping the wood, not burning the wood. Building, not tearing down. You ever think about a government have a program where everybody that had a minimum wage job, instead of giving people something that won't work because they can't, they can't for that amount of money, subsidize those that are making minimum wages and help them to move up so that they would want to move up. Do we ever think about that? See, you don't help people when you give them something just to be lazy for the rest of their life and feel like that I've got to be a taker and never become a giver. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not, this, I, this is not my thinking. That's what Jesus said. He said, I put you here for a purpose. And when people don't find their purpose, they're miserable. I don't care how much money. I don't care how many times their light bills paid. I do not care how many times people help them. But when people are working at Christmas, we ought to look around in our church family, in our community, and you've got friends, and they're working hard, and they're not making it. They're just barely getting along. Why don't you go over to their house and say, I just am touched by how hard you work, and I want to help you. And see what it does for your family and what it'll do for them. It is so good 
So good when we know God's plan is higher than man's plan. And we can be a part of that by giving of our time, giving our time, maybe something somebody's paying somebody to do that we will do, them, do it for them as a volunteer. This applies to young people and old people. We live in a culture that does not view work as a gift from heaven. But it is. It is. And as we think about being a young adult, I'm overqualified. I can't make it on that kind of money. Young people are tempted to prolong their adolescence into their 20s and 30s and play video games and all this kind of stuff. And by the same token, there's a lot of senior adults that can't wait till they get so old they can do nothing. And all I want to do is get old enough to just enjoy everything. You're not going to enjoy what you have unless you use it for the glory of God and to help other people. Nobody ever just sits back in their $100 million jet on the front seat with his pilots and enjoys the world. You just check their autobiographies. They're some of the most miserable creatures in the world. By the same token, they're wealthy people that they don't try to increase, in, uh, increase their standard of living. They try to increase their standard of giving. And they know if God will bless me with more, I'll have more opportunity to give to more people. And that's what I will do for the glory of God and for the for the blessings of humanity. That's good stuff, folks. That's good stuff. And I'm telling you, when you move out of that, and you don't have to make great money, but what you do have to have, you have to have life. You have to be alive. You have to care. And then God will supply the need. Anything you need to carry out God's purpose for your life, God will supply it once he's convinced you're wanting to carry out his purpose rather than you're wanting to retire at 40. Or you're wanting to go to work when you get the job that suits your image of yourself based on your education. God doesn't use you based on your education. He uses your education to enhance what he's called you to do. But you can have a great education in something. If God hadn't called you to do that, you live in misery all your life. But you know what God wants us to do? Feed the poor, take care of the poor, love children, tell the gospel to the uttermost part of the world, love our families, love our wife, love our husband help our nation, help our communities. That's what God wants all of us to be involved in. And we just want to sit and twiddle our fingers. And the more we think about ourselves, the more miserable we get. There is a world out there that God has sent us. Care of the gospel. Encourage them. Love them. Help them. Rift them up. Oh, what a blessing that is to just think about using what God has given us, given us to be a blessing to others. Retirement's not a biblical goal if it's just to sit back. But it sure is wonderful to look around Sagemont Church and see how many senior adults. Come up here on Tuesday. Just come some Tuesday. We'll give you a donut hole if you will come. And I want you to go in the children's building. I want you to watch a bunch of people called cut-ups. Now, these cut-ups aren't four and five years old, but they're, most of them are senior adults that are preparing things that children are using today. They prepared them last Tuesday. Some of the happiest people on Tuesday you'll run into anywhere. Go up there on Wednesday night. Go to the student building. Look at our VIPs. Look at the people working in the cafe, the bookstore, all of these volunteers, teaching, serving, whatever. Those are the happy ones. 
And God says at Christmas, find something to give. Something to give of your time, of your talents, and your substance. It's a scary thing, folks, to get to a place in life where you feel like that you have enough independence to tell God, I'm not going to let you use me anymore. It's a dangerous thing. Whenever you say, I, I just, I, I, I'm not, God, I'm, you know, I got it, man. I, I've, I've earned this. I'm going to do this and do that. Well, we're going to live for an eternity. And when we stop and we think, God, what I want to do is I want to take and you love me so much and you left a world out there. I'm in one of the richest people in the world and I want to go and I want to serve in some way. Whenever we look at Sagemont, first thing ought to jump in your mind are our mission trips. We'll pay part of your way. And you can just cut back on a few things and pay the rest of your way and pick the trip. You'll never be the same again. Never. Never, 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 never. I want you to think about ministering to the sick and the grieving, the shut-ins. Those that, are, that this week are bearing their loved one. You can help in that. If you were ever in a hospital at Sagemont Church, you got a visit. If we knew about you, every day you were in the hospital. And those were not paid people that came to the hospital. They were volunteered people that came. Some of them are unemployed. Some of them are senior adults. They just simply came because they love God and loved you and want you to know and remind you that God is a great physician and he wants to see you healed. If you've ever mourned, there have been people come to comfort you. If you've had children, if you've got children right now, there's hundreds of adults over there and we need 200 more to take care of those precious children. That's like two elementary schools together over there. Maybe three. I don't know. There's 1,200 kids. That's a lot of kids, right? You say, yeah, that's the reason I'm letting them have mine for today. You know, this mine would be equal to an average elementary school and taking care of. Well, that's all right. They're having a good time. But when we can help the community. And Emory Gad was, he's served 35 years at Sagemont, and we honored him this week. When Marie Fleckinger, the Catholic owner of the South Belt Leader, came down to attend that recognition of how Emory has been a part of leading our church in many ways to touch this community, that's what Christianity is all about. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about your self-righteousness or my self-righteousness. It is about being what God wants us to be. God bless those of you that work in the crisis pregnancy center, the mission centers downtown, those that go to the prisons and visit those many, hundreds of them are listening right now on the radio. And they see you face to face when you go. All of that is volunteers. The VIPs, the list goes on and on. Those that cut the grass yesterday, the, those people are serving because they love God and they love us. And they're the happiest people at Sagemont. I wonder if I were to ask you a question. How many people in Sagemont? We have almost 20,000 members right now. If I were to ask you how many people of the 20,000 serve the church in a way that we know that are out there serving, what percentage would you guess? If I were to ask you how many people in Sagemont Church Membership of church, have all the benefits of the church, all the child care, all the parking, all the everything that this church offers. 
the helping hands, the free wills, the grave sites, all that stuff. Out of 20,000, how many would you say? Well, if you guessed over 20%, you guessed too high. Two out of 10. Now, how in the world can a church be what it ought to be when 20% let their light shine and the other 80% say, well, shine a little bit more on me? The joy is not in the receiving. I tell our folks sometimes when they come to my financial seminar, if you don't know the difference, it's more blessed to give than receive. And you'd rather sit home in the dark hoping the church pays your light bill, or you'd rather kind of chip in a few dollars and help pay somebody else's light bill than sitting home in the dark. If you've ever been on both sides, and some of us have, thank God, thank God, it's more fun to help pay your light bill than it is to sit in the dark waiting for you to come pay my light bill. You know, it's more blessed to give than it is receive. But the fun time comes when you just say, Lord, you've got a plan, you've got a purpose, and I know that you're God, and I can't wait to find out what you can do with me because I'm beginning to think I'm not worth anything. For God so loved the world, he gave his son because you're worth something. He bought you with a price, and he left you here, and he left me here in order that we could be what God wants us to be. So the secret is in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, they first gave their own self to the Lord and unto us, the church said, by the will of God. Real joy comes from giving, not from getting. Money's not evil by nature, not at all. And you know what? Whenever you get into that about improving your standard of giving, what a difference that makes. When you look so forward, if God would just bless. But you see, what makes money evil, it's the root of all evil. Because money leads us to all kinds of temptations. And you know what? Those temptations, some of them have a trap. One of those traps is called bankruptcy. Another one is called losing your credit. Another one is, is called being evicted from your house, foreclosure. There's all kinds of problems. Repossessed cars, credit cards that have been closed, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? God doesn't operate on any of those systems. You just get and be what God wants you to be and do what God wants you to do. I promise you, God will bless you. And let him choose the blessing. Instead of, instead of asking him what to give you, you say, Lord, whatever you think will bless you the most and your will, that's what I want for my life. So as we come to a conclusion this morning, Jesus would say, if he were here right now, if you don't have any money, because I haven't trusted you with any money yet, you're alive. Share your life. Give that word that look and the touch. Give somebody else that parking place. Don't tear up your car trying to get into a parking place. Okay? Next time you go to the mall, why don't you put all those baskets in a, in a, in a spot instead of throwing yours out there where all the rest of them are, where, they, where you're dodging people and baskets all over the place. Why don't you look around, and if God just moves on your heart to go over to somebody and say, you know what, God just wants me to do something for you, and do something. See how many years you remember it. 90% of you couldn't even remember what you got for Christmas last year. Really, you can't remember because you sold it in the garage sale in June. <laughs> you can't remember what you sold. But now, folks, listen. Listen. God loves you anyway. What I'm telling you is not because God doesn't love you. What breaks the heart of God is you're missing out. 
The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for people that'll go, that'll serve, that will give, that will pray, that will seek God, that will think about others, that forget about self. They decrease, he increases, and they go about doing good. And the father's up there saying, well done, well done, well done. Go, God. And people say, I believe I had the best Christmas I ever had. Somebody noticed me. And somebody encouraged me. And somebody helped me. If God blesses you with wealth, don't let it be a curse. Let it be a blessing. Don't think, what will I get? But think, what can I give? God owns everything. And God wants to bless all who come to him in repentance. That's his children. He wants to bless you. But he has to be convinced that, you will, that it'll be his will, not your will, be done with his blessings. God doesn't bring wealth to a person to destroy them. He brings what we need to bless us. God wants to move the takers over to the givers. He wants to take the givers and entrust more to them to be greater givers in order that those that are searching for a new life will find it in Jesus Christ. Great joy, the Bible says, comes from contentment. As Christians, let's not try to get people through the day. Let's help them get through life. Let's start with the children. Let's go to the senior adults. Let's go to those. Three I've met this morning, new widows. Just in the last few days. Another one that is very close. The family's making a decision today to let mother go on. Those days will come to all of us. You'll never regret being a giver. You'll never regret being what God created you to be. When you try to do what you're not made to do. Now, those of you not Christians, this doesn't make a bit of sense to you. Satan's got you in a trap. He will keep you in that trap. But if you're born again and you're a child of God, God loves in you and he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. The mind of God is in you. If you're a believer... And you begin to see what I'm saying while others say, I just don't get it, I just don't get it, I just don't get it. I just need more money, better, better job, and so forth. No, you need Jesus. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? No one looking around. <clears throat> I'm grateful that we have a government that even is, encourages us to give. Our government encourages us, encourages us to give in December or they're going to take it from us in April. That's called income tax if you don't know that we can either use it for the glory of God while we're alive or let the government have it when we die when it comes to finances but when it comes to life if we would just pour our lives in those that follow us they can be the living proof of the loving God to the watching world with heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today You've never given your heart to Jesus. That's where it starts. There's no way you can understand what I've just said from a carnal mind. From the beginning of the time, man wanted to be God. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God by having the power and all that God had. So the first step is for you to receive a new life, a new birth. Something that money can't buy and death can't take away from you. It's called salvation. 
by praying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. There are those of you that need to receive the blessing that comes only through believer's baptism. There's others of you that need a church home, a church that's not about just getting together and meeting for an hour, but a church that tries to reach out to the community and to the world. And you need to become a member of the church today. There's cards right in front of you where you're sitting right now. You can take that card, fill it out just real briefly and stop by our connection center. That's the room when you walk out of this building through the two main entrances. When you walk out into the foyer, if you walk out of this door to my right, turn immediately to the left. If you walk out of the door to the left, turn immediately to the right. There'll be people there to meet you, to pray with you, and to help you. I want to encourage you to go to the Christmas tree just through the door, not the big one out in the center, the one with the red balls, and look at all those things hanging on there where you could serve if you had just moved out of spiritual retirement into active service and let the Lord know that you are willing to be used. There are people there to help you for that. So, dear God, we just love you. We want to love you more. We want to know you better. And you tell us what we need to do, and we'll promise to do it. Now, bless people as they make decisions, the young people, the students, the young adults, the median age, the senior adults. God, speak. Here we are. Use us. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.